At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard, start something priceless. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. Scientists by training, Stephanie Tien and Christina Knox are the right minds to innovate in the space of sun protection. After one too many sunburns on their scalps, this duo knew they needed to create a product to protect delicate skin without the mess and grease that's left behind by traditional sun creams. With impact in mind, their company, Arbor Inc., is committed to developing SPF products that are safe for your skin and the earth. Together, Christina and Stephanie are educating people to help them understand SPF, which I just learned means sun protection factor, and decode sunscreen labels, and their products have recently received Health Canada approval. Welcome to the show, Stephanie and Christina. Hi, we're happy to be here. Great to have you here. This is a new year, and entrepreneurs are looking for inspiration and advice to get them through the new year. Just before we get into your story, Tell us what kind of advice that you hope entrepreneurs will get out of our program today. Yeah, we're hoping to um, showcase that entrepreneurs can really just start and go at their own pace. Um, Stephanie and I um, both have full-time um, roles outside of Arbor. Um, so it's entrepreneurship is really um, an opportunity for anyone to take. And it doesn't have to be an overnight million-dollar company. You can go at your own pace. Okay. And Stephanie, any thoughts? Yeah, no, I totally agree with Christina. I think whenever we get asked any like advice for entrepreneurs, um, we always say like the biggest thing is to just take that leap and start. And um, yeah, it's never too late to, to be an entrepreneur. You got into the, in, into the sun space. This is a, a, an industry that seems to me to be very old and yet constantly changing. So um, what led you to get into this space and what was the aha moment that said you could bring something new to it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, this is Stephanie speaking. So basically how um, we kind of got the idea for Arbor is that Christina and I and one of our other friends, we went um, to Wasaga Beach one summer 
um, just for like a little cottage weekend and go to the beach and all that. And I remember it was a really hot weekend and I got a really bad sunburn on my scalp um, because I was not wearing a hat and um, wasn't protecting my skin there. And when I came back, I was, you know, saying in the group chat, like, oh, God, I got a sunburn on my scalp. Like, this is so weird. And it was kind of painful and red. And then probably a week later, as it was healing, it also started to peel. And again, I'm like in the group chat, like, guys, it looks like I have really bad dandruff now because it's peeling on my scalp. Um, and yeah, that kind of just sparked the idea and discussion between Christina and I that um, there's not really any products that you can put on your scalp to protect it from the sun unless you wanted to wear a hat because traditional sunscreen products like the sprays or the creams, um, they would make your hair greasy and you don't really want to put it on that area. Um, and since I'm like a really big fan of dry shampoo products, um, we thought like, why don't we just make a product with similar to dry shampoo, but with sunscreen in it so that it can be this kind of like new uh, sun protection product um, that would be really helpful for people like me who who get sunburned on their scalp very frequently. Um, and yeah, that was in the summer of 2019. And we've been working on um, the product ever since. All right. Now, Stephanie, you have a full head of hair, but the sun burns right through it anyway. It, it's mostly on the part where um, like my scalp is exposed in my hair. So I part my hair in like the middle of my my head. So that like one line of scalp that's showing is like the part that like really gets sunburned easily, especially since like the top of your head is the highest point uh, to the sun. So that's where the sun will hit the, um, first. And Christina, did you have that problem? I don't typically get sunburn on my scalp. My hair is like pretty curly. Um, so like my, my scalp is like mostly covered with hair and doesn't get too, too burned. But I am really passionate about sun protection. I grew up like not wearing it, uh, not wearing sunscreen a lot. Um, and I recently, um, as I've gotten older, found the benefits of wearing sunscreen regularly, like for my health, for the look of my skin, to help it age gracefully. Um, and that's sort of been like a big passion of mine. Right. So tell me about your product line now. This is Christina speaking. Um, so right now our product, um, we have one product called Spruce. Um, as Steph was saying, it's a mineral-based dry shampoo, um, a powder dry shampoo with SPF 20. Um, so it can be applied like any powder dry shampoo to the scalp. Um, you kind of just tap the powder in your hand or directly onto your exposed scalp um, and then blend the excess into your hair. Um, and we've designed it so that it's specifically formulated for your scalp. So it won't leave like um, any sort of greasiness in your hair and it'll blend well into your hair while providing the skin on your scalp optimal sun protection. And how does it protect that thin red line of the part? Yeah, that's a great question. So you would put the product on the exposed areas of the scalp. Um, and then since it's a powder, it will blend in um, with the scalp and be able to provide that protection to it. Cool. And uh, tell me about the scientific backgrounds that have helped you guys uh, build this company. Yeah, that's a great question. I can start. This is Stephanie speaking. So um, I have a background in pharmacology. I have my bachelor's and master's in pharmacology from the University of Toronto. So have um, a bit of a background in like basic chemistry and also um, some experience with Health Canada and Health Canada regulations as well. 
for me, this is Christina speaking. Um, I have a background in uh, cognitive science and neuroscience, and I'm currently doing my PhD in cognitive psychology at the University of Toronto. Um, so I've had like a basic chemistry background, um, but Steph's more of the technical expert uh, on our team. Um, my my research background just kind of really helps me with um, understanding that like research methodology methodology and uh, prototyping process. Um, and I've also gotten to use a lot of my skills with uh, creating our branding and marketing. Right. And tell me about the company name to start. Arbor sounds like the French word for tree. Yes. And you would. Yes, you're correct. Um, so we were kind of discussing and brainstorming ideas for what we wanted to call our company. And we landed on Arbor uh, for two reasons, because like you mentioned, it's the French word for tree and trees provide protection to us from the sun through shade and shelter. Um, and that is a big pillar of our company, as well as the sustainability side. So trees are obviously great for the environment. They capture the carbon in the atmosphere. And for our company, we also um, really value sustainability and making products that will be environmentally friendly, good for you and also good for the earth. So we thought that was like the perfect name for, for our company. And tell us about the, the sort of the current status of Arbor. How many people are involved in the company? Um, what stage of the, is the product at? So right now our company is mainly Stephanie and I, like we do um, pretty much everything. Um, we've also had two interns working with us who have helped us a bit with our social media um, uh, content and marketing um, and also creating um, blog posts on our website for us. Um, but our team is very small. It's just the two of us. Cool. Um, we talked a couple weeks ago to a Canadian company building a beauty brand and they found TikTok to be a really effective uh, marketing platform for them. Are, are you guys on TikTok and what's your experience been if you are? Yes, so we are on TikTok. We're trying to get on all the platforms. It's just such a great way to reach um, a wider audience and like a very fun and creative way as well. Um, we recently joined, I think last summer, so it's only been a few months for us, um, but we do have a lot of fun on there. Uh, finding ways to promote our product and interact with um, our audience as well. Right. And, and you guys seem, you know, pretty young and, and so you're hip to the social media and you know which channels to be on. Um, to me, the problem is that there are so many social media platforms now and it's so hard to do a good job on more than one or two of them. So how do you guys decide uh, wh which platforms you're going to concentrate on or do you let the interns do that? <laughs> That's a really great question. And I think something like Steph and I have had to figure out over time. Um, at this point, we really focus um, on our Instagram and TikTok the most. Um, we definitely cross post content to sort of ease um, that workload because our team is so small. Um, but we find that that those platforms is where the people who we believe want our product are. Right. I probably should have asked you who's your target market for spruce. Is it uh, women or men? Is it people of a certain age? Is it people who live in a certain area or just people who go out in the sun? 
Yeah, so we're targeting uh, millennial and Gen Z women primarily for our product. Um, and our product currently is only approved in Canada. So um, we're targeting Canadian women in particular. Um, but really, it's for for those people who do enjoy being in the sun, maybe they are outside a lot for their job, or they just, you know, like to, to spend outside, time outside um, in the outdoors. But yeah, targeting like all the women who would be on our social media platforms. Right. And do you see yourselves being a one product company or do you have other ideas in the fire, so to speak? Yeah, that's a really great question. So our goal with Arbor is really to develop a range of SPF products that work for everybody. We want to create um, SPF products for all genders, ages and different parts of the body. Um, through like our own research and our experience like starting this business we found that like there's a lot of people who don't use sunscreen because they can't find a sunscreen product that works for them like you know if you're someone who you know has a darker skin tone and you struggle with trying to find a sunscreen that doesn't leave you a white cast like it makes it hard to want to wear sunscreen um so we want to create a range of products that um work for everyone and do you have like a, a list? Of, you don't have to tell me what they are because you don't want to alert the competitors. But uh, do you have like a list of products that you that you that you that you're working on that you want to work on? Yes, absolutely. Like Steph and I are always coming up with new ideas, um, just like imagining the things that we can create um, and innovate in the sunscreen industry. So we definitely have a list of things we want to develop. And I mean, we're we're, we're talking about niche products uh, but i'm surprised that you're still seeing so many opportunities in what i would think of as a very mature category i would have thought that the, the various sunscreen makers being you know mm -hmm. giants uh, with huge research budgets that they would have covered off these little these little niches but no they've left room for entrepreneurs to come in here so so so, so why do you think that is yeah, that's a great question. I think that a lot of the traditional sunscreen products and that you might see on shelves when you go to like Shoppers Drug Mart or something, they're all from the same brands and nostalgically, like they all have that same smell and same feeling to them that we all know. Um, I think it is interesting. I think for them, I think they do have a big, um, they have captured a large part of the market with the current products they have. So perhaps there's just not an interest in them for innovating for these kind of smaller and more niche uh, areas that uh, we're interested in targeting. But from our own experience, we have seen that there is a gap in the products that are available because they obviously haven't worked for, for either of us and other people that we've talked to. So we're confident that there is still innovation in this area that can happen and that will serve our customers. Right. We sort of skipped over the product development uh, process as if that were easy, and, I, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Um, so tell us a little bit about what was involved in researching and prototyping and, 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 and creating your, your Spruce product. Um, how long did it take? What did you learn? Can you look back at it now and say that, man, we could have done that so much smarter or faster if we'd only known this? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, well, the start of our product development, um, it really started with me and Steph in her kitchen. Like we were just like 
locally sourced some ingredients that we thought would, you know, create a good dry shampoo base. Um, we ordered um, some of the mineral-based active ingredients like online, and we just mixed them in a bowl in staff's kitchen, and we would test it on ourselves. Um, and then once we kind of got that base formulation, we were we decided that to take it to the next level, we'd really need to get in contact with someone who had more experience. Um, and I feel like Steph can definitely talk a bit more about like the product development and what that was like. So I'll, I'll, I'll let her. Yeah, like Christina said, so we um, found a formulation specialist to work with us. Um, She's based in Calgary, and she is incredible. She's very knowledgeable in this area, and she really helped us develop a number of prototypes until we finally landed on our final formulation. Um, After that, we had to enter into lab and clinical testing um, in order to meet the regulatory requirements for Health Canada. And that in itself was probably the biggest hurdle that we had as a company. as you can imagine, in Canada, it is quite strict on a lot of these um, types of products since sunscreen products are regulated as like over-the-counter drugs, basically. Um, so there is a lot that has to go into that. Um, and looking back on it, there were definitely times that it could have been faster or we could have done things more efficiently in, in, in different ways. But I think that it was necessary for us for this first product to really learn and understand all of the things in this area Um, in terms of testing and regulations and things like that. And it was just a big learning experience for us for for our next product. Like we know now um, what it takes and what will go into it. And we're um, way more confident in in that process now, for sure. That's very cool. I'm dying to know how long it took you to develop the product and then how long it took to get approvals, which was longer. (laughs) I think, so we started the, the kitchen development basically started in um, the summer of 2020 or so. Um, And then we landed on the final formulation uh, in the fall of 2021. So a bit over a year. And then it took until it took probably about nine months uh, to do all the testing and get the final approval. And we don't have to get into the details, but which process was more expensive? That's a great question. I think it was the regulatory side, just because the testing is quite um, expensive since uh, we outsourced it to a lab who did the the testing for us and they had to recruit participants um, for the clinical portion. And we also worked with some consultants to help us with our Health Canada application since we uh, are definitely not experts in that space. Um, So those were definitely some of the bigger costs that we had in our, our development process. Right. I, and getting into this, would you have ever thought that the, 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 the approvals process would be more expensive than the development process? I mean, did you know that going in? Because I wouldn't have expected that. And I don't know how many people would. That's a good question. I think um, from my side, at least, I kind of had an idea that that would be quite pricey. Um, just from my experience in pharmacology, pharmaceuticals are a whole other story because the the R&D process does take such a long time and is very, very costly uh, for pharmaceuticals, of course. And so I kind of had anticipated um, that cost early on and anticipated that that would be uh, probably like the biggest hurdle for us. And can I ask how you financed uh, this investment? Because it sounds like, you know, it went on for a while. Uh, it, 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 the, 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 the costs mounted, mounted up. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, Steph and I were really lucky to participate um, with a lot of 
in a lot of incubator programs at the University of Toronto, and um, they provided us with some funding um, to start to really build the foundation of our business. Um, and as we slowly progressed, we entered a lot of pitch competitions and won funding through that. Um, so we've been able to sort of bootstrap uh, this company from the ground right. up. And now is probably a good time to mention that you were involved in the Startup Canada's Startup Global Global Program and the pitch competition there. And in October, you won third place. So that's really exciting. Um, was there money in third place? I don't remember. Yes, we won $10,000. Okay. Um, well, that's not bad for third place. Um, tell me about that process. Isn't that a real hit or miss long way of raising funds through these programs and, and accelerators? And what did you learn about, uh, you know, applying for and receiving funds faster? Yeah, that's a really great question. I will also note that I forgot to mention, we did um, apply for a loan. So that has also helped to fund us um, and our like help fund our, especially our manufacturing, because that was another large cost. But in terms of like, um, you know, what we learned through applying for like grant and pitch competitions, um, a lot of it involved like the strategy. So like at the start, we were just applying to every single pitch competition, every possible grant that we could find. Um, and some of them we would move on to the next round. Some of them like we, we completely got rejected. Um, and that really showed us that we had to be more strategic in how we were um, spreading our resources and our time and applying to these. Um, so we learned how to streamline our pitch um, when we're uh, filling out that application for that competition. And we also learned to target the types of uh, pitch and grants that we apply Can for. Can you tell me anything more about that, Christina, in terms of you know what you learned that helped you as you targeted other programs or competitions going forward, did you learn anything that you can share with other entrepreneurs to help them shorten that journey? Yeah, I think like, I guess a really good example um, that I can think of right now would be when we started, um, we were kind of uh, like uh, talking about our product as a scalp sunscreen and treating it more of like a, as like a healthcare sort of product. Um, so we would apply to like incubators or pitch competitions that were more um, healthcare focused. And we were having trouble getting into these pitch competitions, um, which is kind of fair because a lot of the companies that we were competing against were, you know, pharmaceutical companies, research companies trying to um, innovate and find solutions for um, various um, like illnesses or diseases that um, are relevant to many people around the world. And we're kind of this sunscreen company that is, you know, maybe not as, um, like epic or innovative in, com in comparison. Um, and once we realized that, we sort of pivoted the way we were talking about our product and the way we were pitching our product to uh, dry shampoo with SPF. And we um, started to call ourselves more of a cosmetic or a wellness or hair care brand. Um, and that really helped us um, streamline our messaging about our company and our product and also helped us target 
more specific pitch competitions um, that uh, cater to businesses like ours. So that helped you make sure you were connecting quicker with the people who were best placed to understand you or help you. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that, 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 that sounds pretty useful. Um, in terms of all the programs and incubators and grants or whatever that you looked at, can you, do you remember one of them as being, and you don't have to say Startup Canada, <laughs> um, <laughs> was there one that was the most helpful, the, 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 most, the, the most impactful for you? It'll be interesting to know if it's the same for both of you or not. <laughs> I was going to say iCube. That was the very first incubator we joined um, when we first had this idea. And we did, I believe it was like a, a six-week or two-month um, program with them. And they provided us with um, a small bit of funding while we were completing the program. And it provided us with all the business foundations that we needed to know in order to start a business because Steph and I didn't have um, any type of business background. Um, so we were kind of Googling things and trying to figure out like what we needed to do. Um, so in my mind, that um, incubator really helped us get started. Okay, and that was IQ? That was that in Toronto um, or was that in university? Or? Yeah, it's called iCube at UTM. It's um, at the University of Toronto Mississauga campus. Sorry, iCube? Yes. Ah, okay. iCube, got it. Okay. And Stephanie, which, which source of help stood out to you as the most impactful? Yeah, I definitely agree with Christina. Um, iCube has always been like a big supporter of us ever since we started and always been in our corner. Um, and we, yeah, we love them so much. We can't praise them enough. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, would give a big shout out to Startup Canada as well. Um, the pitch competition that we won, like $10,000 is the biggest amount of funding we've ever gotten. It's like a huge help to our company and being able to take it to the next level. So we're so thankful for that and all of the also in-kind um, resources that um, that program is providing to us as well, like super helpful for us as entrepreneurs. And also that was my first time ever pitching in person at that event and being able to meet all of these other um, entrepreneurs who are doing like incredible things was also like such a great experience for us um, in being able to connect with the community as well. Yeah, fantastic. So before that, I guess everything was, uh, was virtual because of COVID, et cetera. It's yeah, etc. Right. So how has the world improved for you since COVID receded? It's not gone, obviously, but uh, but at least we can get out and, and meet each other again. How has that changed things for you guys? Because like <laughs> it must be an improvement of some sort. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely nice to be able to meet people in person and network and make those connections. And as we're going to come into the summer months, we also are hoping to um, be a part of some local kind of like artesian uh, markets in the Toronto area so that we're able to be in person and talk about our product to potential customers. And um, yeah, that would be nice and definitely something we wouldn't have been able to do if uh, we were still in the pandemic or in lockdown at least. Right. So looking forward, what are you going to try and do to, what steps are you taking to try and get into uh, other channels and, and expand distribution and awareness? 
of the product. Can you tell us any of your plans? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, so right now, one of our main priorities is to increase our distribution channels. So we want to look at some um, local, GT, local to the GTA um, online retailers that sort of specialize in um, natural and wellness products. Um, we're also looking at, as Steph was saying, um, uh, being a part of some artesian markets around the Toronto area to be able to meet our customers in person. Um, and then hopefully sometime this year, we'll uh, begin the process of um, looking at expanding uh, globally to other um, international markets and seeing how we can get our product there. I try not to display my ignorance too often on the air by actually making suggestions, but do you know how you get into those airport gift shops? You know, after <laughs> you go through security and then you come in and there's always a gift shop and they sell way overpriced souvenirs and candy bars and drinks mm -hmm. for the flight and everything. And wouldn't it be great to have just a little stand there uh, for people heading to Florida or, or the Caribbean or, or, the, or the Southwest? Um, have you looked at that? We haven't looked at um, airports in particular, um, but maybe um, another good idea too might be hotels, like hotel gift shops that are um, in some nice, warm, tropical places. Um, so hopefully that will be something that's in our future. Right. And so, so tell me about the future. I mean, I, I guess you, you must be looking at what it will cost what it will take to get approved for the United States and for other countries to go in, to go international. How do you prioritize whether to work on more products or greater geographic uh, approval uh, expansion? How do you prioritize that? How do you know which to do first? Yeah, that's still an internal discussion that we're having because as we mentioned, we definitely have a whole list of ideas of next products that we want to develop. and. Uh, we've heard from a lot of our uh, customers and supporters that, you know, they're looking for for another product from us. So that is a priority. But of course, also expanding those channels and going into international markets would greatly increase our reach as well. So it's definitely um, something that we're discussing internally and how to balance. I think it will take um, looking at our our cash flow and seeing if it's viable to uh, produce the next product soon, or if it will make sense to to expand with our current product instead, and what um, that timeline lo would look like. Because some countries definitely do have strict regulations, um, like the U.S. You would need to get FDA approval um, and things like that. So we're we're trying to balance um, the timeline as well as the cost as well on our side. So definitely stay tuned for for our next um, exciting step. And do you have any resources to help you make these decisions? Do you have advisors? Do you have um, board board members or informal boards or consultants you can talk to, to to help you sort through these priorities? Yeah, so we're very lucky to have um, some mentors in our corner who have experience in international markets and also working with um, multiple types of kind of like consumer products. So um, we're taking advice from them and also uh, our partners as well. So the consultants that we work with, um, they have experience with other markets as well. So definitely just taking advice from different people who are experts in these areas um, and trying to make that decision, um, whichever will be the best one for our company. Right. It's, it's great that you have those advisors because a lot of 
entrepreneurs don't have them. So I'm just curious where you found them. You don't have to tell me exactly where or don't tell me their names. Keep them to yourself. But, but how do you find them? How do yeah. you know if someone's going to be helpful to you? How do you, how do you enlist their help? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, we found a lot of our mentors um, through our the incubators that we've been a part of. A lot of them have had um, sort of like a coaching mentorship aspect to the program. Um, and we've been able to connect with mentors that way who we really um, like vibe with and get along with and continue to build a relationship with. Do you have a rule like never let a good advisor get away? <laughs> I don't know if we have like a, a hard and fast rule like that, but I think Stephanie and I really like working with people who um, who like match our energy and um, who are just, you know, genuinely good people who, you know, want to help us um, and hopefully we can offer them help or different um, perspectives as well um, and people who we want to build a, a long term relationship with. Okay, fabulous. My uh, semi-final question: You you approach this as as, as scientists, as very well-educated people, um, educated in the discipline and logic of the sciences, and then on top of that, you had to be taught to become sort of business people to think in business concepts. So I'm wondering which concepts were the easiest for you to engage and embrace, and, and, and embrace, and which ones were the toughest. Yeah, I think. Um... The easiest for me in terms of our business is coming up with strategy because I think of it almost as if it's a puzzle and putting the pieces together in the puzzle. So I think that's what I um, like the most about like being an entrepreneur and running a business. Um, I th yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, right? I think it's that's putting cool. a scientific yeah. spin on business, but that's kind of just how my brain works. So um, I really enjoy that aspect. And I think like the hardest thing for me has always been the kind of accounting and financial side, <laughs> um, just like having to be diligent about um, all the the finances and um, putting all those numbers together sometimes um, and understanding also like some financial concepts because they um, might not always come naturally or I didn't learn them in school and things like that. Um, I think that aspect has always been a bit like of a tough area for me. Interesting. Interesting. So the, the scientists found the numbers hard, <laughs> not because of the numbers, but I guess the concepts behind them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's why Christina is our finance person. <laughs> <laughs> Christina, yeah. what did you find easiest? What business concepts did you most find yourself drawn to and which did you find most repellent? Yeah, that's a great question. The thing that I found myself drawn to with entrepreneurship is like, and I guess it's the same thing that I love about um, being a researcher in this in psychology as well is being able to sort of ask a question or find a problem and then carry the solution through. So we were able to sort of identify this problem with scalp sunburns and then come up with a solution and then not not just stop there, but actually create the solution into something that people can um, purchase and use for themselves. Um, and that's something I just really love. Um, I think the hardest part for me has definitely been learning how to be like a manager. Um, 
like in my in my research i work alone a lot of the times like obviously i work with um uh other collaborators and stuff to um do my my research and my projects and stuff um but i'm we're all on the same playing level whereas in arbor um there are times where i kind of have to be um like an authority figure like with our interns and that's really nerve-wracking for me sometimes <laughs> Right. Okay, we've been talking with Stephanie Tien and Christina Knox, the co-founders of Toronto-based Arbor. <laughs> Sorry, I pronounced it in French, sort of, um, which is a Canadian problem. Um, one final question for you both. Um, based on the experiences that you've had and what you've learned so far, what is the best piece of advice that each of you would offer to other entrepreneurs who want to benefit from your experience? Yeah, I think my piece of advice would be that the journey of being an entrepreneur is definitely challenging, but it's also very rewarding um, being able to create something from nothing and seeing your product or your solution come to life. And I think if anybody's thinking about starting a company is to just do it and take that leap. Um, you gain so many experiences and skills and meet a lot of really amazing people along the way. Um, so I think that would be my piece of advice because, yeah, I don't think anybody should ever be afraid to, to fail. Um, and it's important to have supportive people in your corner as well. That's a really interesting answer. And I guess I've sort of assumed that you guys are entrepreneurs for life now, but I shouldn't assume that. Uh, do you see, Stephanie, do you see yourself going back in, 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 you know, sticking with the sciences and is this just a side hustle or does entrepreneurship and business look like they've got you for life? Yeah, it's an interesting question because Christine and I, um, Arbor is actually our side hustle. We do have full-time commitments outside of it. And, I think it's been an interesting avenue to be able to explore the side of entrepreneurship and a business um, while also being able to pursue our own passions in our you know, careers and other aspirations as well. Um, I'm not sure if entrepreneurship will be there forever. I feel like the answer could be yes in some capacity. I could see myself like having other businesses in the future if you know, for whatever reason, Arbor doesn't work out. Um, but I also do have um, passions in my career as well. So I think that that perspective often isn't um, isn't like communicated to a lot of people that they can have pas different passions in life, like your business and entrepreneurship and also your career as well. So um, I think that, yeah, it's just like it's a part of my journey right now. And uh, I'm interested to see like where it goes in the future. Right. And Christina, you're working on your doctorate, so I guess <laughs> you haven't made the choice yet. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, what advice would you have for entrepreneurs who are, are, are trying to do things similar to you and want, want to benefit from your experience? Yeah, I think um, my piece of advice would be that you don't need to know everything to start. 
Um, through our journey, we've had a lot of partners and mentors um, really help us and provide the expertise that we don't have between the two of us. Um, so entrepreneurship, while it can seem like a bit of a, a, a lonely journey, and it is sometimes, um, it doesn't have to be. You, you have the freedom to ask for help. Um, and find uh, people who can provide that expertise that you may not have. Right. Perfect. Um, you know, entrepreneurs often feel like they're alone, that every decision is up to them. So I love the, the fact that you guys are so collaborative and maybe this comes from science backgrounds. Obviously it comes from having been involved in very uh, engaged communities, such as the accelerators you've been, been a part of. But to know that, that, that you're confident the help is out there and you're holding on to the mentors that, that, that you've clicked with is really important. And I think that's going to be an important part of your success going forward. So thank you so much to, to both of you for telling us the story of Arbor, Stephanie Tien and Christina Knox. Best of luck in the future. We'll be watching you and we'll have you on again. Thank you for having us. It was our pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence.